What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption. This one is certain to not disappoint. We've had some fun pregame here. I'm your host, Matthew Potter. Uh, I'm your short sale guy, hedge fund connection, co-founder of The Family Tree at Real Broker. Reach out to me if I can help you grow your real estate business in any way whatsoever. Real quick, before we introduce our uh, esteemed panel here, this is how we do things around here. There will be five pre-selected questions, 45 seconds for each one of uh, our guests to go ahead and answer. Then after that, there's two minutes to chop it up. Points will be awarded after that. Our sixth question comes from the audience. Um, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to Pardon the Disruption on YouTube so you can get in the live chat and have your question featured as question number six. We're going to go ahead and start out with introductions. Starting over in Richmond, VA today, we have our reigning champion from last week, Chris C.J. Jefferson. Introduce yourself, boss. Yeah, Chris Jefferson, Richmond, VA. Glad to be back. Uh, good to see everybody, uh, including the people that I can't see. Uh, so uh, it's good to be back on Pardon, man. I'm looking forward to it respectfully. <laughs> Quite possibly one of the greatest intros of all time there. Next up, we have coming to us from the previous uh, capital of the United States, York, Pennsylvania. Say hi to the people, Eric Brewer. Technically not previous, but the first capital of the United States. Like nobody cares who was second, third, fourth, or last <laughs> week first. Hey, um, I'm surprised you didn't announce it in the intro, but I got a email just before the show that for the first time since RJ was out previously, all four people on the show today, all five people on the show today actually graduated high school. So <laughs> about that, um, I think that'll lead to a great show. And uh, I hope RJ feels better, but it's, it's good to be in, in good company um, today for once. <laughs> Shout out to RJ. We really do hope that you feel better soon. Uh, next up, we have Mr. Disruptor himself, Steve Trang. Introduce yourself. Yeah, Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors. We are here to solve all your sales problems. I'm looking forward to today's show. I mean, just exactly like Eric said. I mean, I'm looking forward to a show that's professional, clean, um, <clears throat> solid opinions. So for the first time, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show. And also, shout out uh, to the entire panel. We are team iPhone today. Everybody's trustworthy on, on the panel here. Last but certainly not least, we have Leon. Don't forget the G Barnes. Introduce yourself. What's up, everyone? I'm so glad I got that late call from RJ because if the, clean, if the show is going to be clean, solid, um, and informed, then you know, I'm supposed to be on this show, right? The other thing is, man, I don't know when we're going to do this, but at some point we got to start a campaign for EB for the York mayor. Like he has to be at some point the mayor of York. He just came up with off the fly a new theme for the city of York. If you're not first, you're last. That is the <laughs> new theme for his campaign of York mayor of York. The Ricky Bobby of mayorism. <laughs> Unfortunately, right. I think there's some grainy cell phone footage out there that might prevent me from holding public. <laughs> um, it actually may be on Steve's Android, to be honest with you. Uh, so I don't know that that's a real possibility. 
Absolutely. Absolutely outstanding. We are going to have some fun today. We're going to get started with question number one. What are your thoughts on the mortgage lender Amerifirst Financial filing for bankruptcy? Go ahead and start us off, CJ. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, more of this stuff's going to be coming down the pike for sure, especially with these large mortgage institutions. Uh, people aren't selling their houses, right? Uh, with, you know, the people who bought 2010, 2022 aren't selling their homes right now. Uh, mortgages have hit 7%, which is, I think, a high since, what was it, 1984 uh, or something crazy like that. Uh, so I think more of this is going to happen. I think the small operators that are in mortgage, uh, the mortgage business as well, are going to certainly be impacted by it. Uh, I think if you're a loan officer, now's a great time to be considering, you know, jumping onto the investment side uh, of the business for sure. All right. All right. We appreciate We appreciate that, CJ. Yeah, rates are pretty high right now. All right, Brewer, what are your thoughts? So uh, when I saw this, right, I, I tried to imagine, like, how would that impact the people on this panel and, and the people that are watching this show? And the, the reality is, is on the surface, it doesn't appear that it'll have any impact on us. But when I grew up, there was a saying, and my granddad used to always say, big bank, tell little bank what to do, right? <laughs> so like, big bank just went bankrupt. So how will that transfer down potentially to little bank? I think that the negative, potential negative outcomes could be if they were mismanaging money, right? And, and somehow did irresponsible lending, this could result in uh, tightening of loan requirements, which have loosened up um, since 2010, 11, and 12. They, they started to get more lenient. We're seeing things like longer amortization schedules. There's more options for people with lower credit scores. Um, ultimately, it can transfer to less options for borrowers, which for a fix and flipper and wholesaler can mean that your deals don't sell. They don't sell for as much money or they take longer to sell, but we might not see that for a little bit. But remember, Big bank tell little bank what to do. This will have an impact on little bank. That's very insightful there uh, and agreed. It usually is a trickle down effect and it takes some time. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts on uh, Amerifirst? Um, I think this was supposed to happen, right? Like when the Fed said we want to make housing less affordable, we're going to do whatever we can to make it more painful in the market. This, I'm honestly surprised it took this long to happen, right? Like if you look at, Housing prices is what everyone else focuses on, but everyone in this panel doesn't make money on the prices of property. We look at, we make money based off the transactions, right? So wholesaler, flipper, realtor, title company, whatever, loan officers, you get paid on the amount of transactions, not the actual <laughs> price of the home. So we have all felt it in 2022, 2023. I'm really surprised it took this long for a mortgage company to happen. And I think this is gonna be first of many. I think we're gonna see a bunch of this happening and we'll touch touch more on this in, in, in question number two. I, I don't know why Steve thinks this is so funny, but we, we do appreciate the insight there, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Leon, what are your thoughts? I, I tend to agree with most of the thoughts so far. I do think this is a casualty, um, and there are more that are coming our way, as, especially as long as interest rates continue to grow. What I I disagree slightly with is that no one's buying houses. Um, I think people are still buying houses. There's rate buy down opportunities. Um, and so I think this is a casualty more so reflective of the refi market. You know, a big percentage of mortgage companies uh, business is refis. And if you've got a 3% loan, a 4% loan, and even if you need HELOCs and those type of things at this point, 
refinancing something at 8% um, is going to be less likely. So I think it's you're going to see more casualties, um, especially as rates continue to increase. But I do think people are still buying houses. There's just less inventory available. So, I mean, I guess the question here, right? This is the first one, but like, is anyone surprised that this has happened? Not surprised. I mean, this is, no. Yeah. I mean, like, Jerome Powell is basically saying that we want everyone to hurt. We want everyone to suffer. This is, this is the hurt and suffer they, that, that they require to bring inflation down. Yeah, CJ's over there searching. He skipped tracing uh, all the employees <laughs> in there first right now. To send them to left Lost him there for a couple of seconds. He was uh, an idea. Uh, I was, I was tracing like, uh, about the job. I'm trying to do the do I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work and hang out with y'all. But uh, no, I, I think people are still buying houses, Leon. Yes. But I also think less people are buying right now. There's just an inventory issue, right? Um, but ultimately, the market impact of interest rates and and the Fed saying that they're, these it's not like we're stopping at 7%, right? Like they're, they're, we're going to keep trending upwards here in the future. I think these things are impactful because one of loss of employment for people, number one, especially with a large you know company like this, you've got an issue of loss of employment. This is going to start to affect the mortgage industry throughout. Uh, and what, what that does for people, I'm not sure, but I don't see any benefit, uh, you know, coming from it is, is kind of what I see. Potter, you've done an exceptional job this round with like, wait, no, what's the opposite of that? Like summarize, like Leah, are you all right, dude? Are you you good? You you hanging in there? You just just hanging out. <laughs> I'm I'm just waiting for you know some actual like eventful conversation here. You know, I was expecting a little more from you, Brewer. You actually originally had probably the best thought on this, though. One of the other things with Amerifirst that you know had anybody done the homework? I'm looking at you, Steve. They're also involved in the DSCR side, investments, bridge financing, things like that. So that was something else to you know potentially look at. But that being said, Brewer brought up very good point. Big bank, little bank. I'm going to go ahead and award the point to uh, Brewer for round number one, even though he was talking exactly. talking, talking exactly smack. That You're doing there we go. That's better. That's better. <laughs> So, all right, next up, question number two. What do you make of adjustable rate mortgages growing in popularity again? Start us off on this one, Brewer. Uh, adjustable rate mortgages are just, it's gambling, right? It's, it's, it's really what it is. Generally, what you'll see is an adjustable rate mortgage uh, lowers the interest rate to make it more likely and reasonable for someone to get in to a house today, right? So if the, if the mortgage rate is seven and a quarter percent and they get an arm that, that, that starts out at five and a half percent. And then typically what you'll see is there's there's an adjustment period in that rate somewhere. Um, I think it's, you know, these banks are, are pulling out all the stops to, to try and continue to be able to responsibly lend money um, to make it reasonable for people that are, you know, not wealthy to be able to buy a home and experience the American dream. And that's, I think, a relatively safe bet. I, I don't see anybody, you know, CJ said that rates are going to go up in the short term. I think we're going to see that probably for, for most of, of next year. But almost every single person is predicting that in like uh, the end of 2024, 2025, that they'll actually be back down to like 4%. Um, 
right? So I, I kind of like the, the, the arm. It's a calculated risk. It's a gamble. But if you're looking to buy a house right now, and this is the mechanism that makes it possible and takes a little bit of heat off of the payment for you, I kind of like it. All right. So we got one vote for ARM from Brewer over there, the calculated risk. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts on uh, ARM's gaining popularity? I'm terrified. I mean, this is where where I'm concerned. Like we saw with Amerifirst as the first bank to go down as far as mortgages goes. And all the things we saw that led to the previous crisis was housing affordability getting out of control. And with the housing affordability getting out of control, let's do more things so we can help make housing more affordable. But again, the Fed has stated they want to make housing more affordable. They didn't say they wanted to do arms to make it more affordable. They wanted prices to go down. And all we're doing now is kicking the can down the road further, making it more painful. People are taking risks. And you know we did a lot of short sales and foreclosures back in the day. And the reason why was that we were trying to fit people into a loan that maybe they shouldn't have bought a house just yet. So for me, I, I think this is where we start getting into trouble of like, should these people be getting mortgages or not? Up until this point, underwriting's been pretty tight. Now we start loosening it. I'm getting concerned. A little bit of PTSD for Steve over there. He's about to become the number one short sale agent in Arizona again. Good for him. All right, Leon, what are your thoughts? I think they're becoming more popular for two reasons. The first is that they don't want to become AmeriFirst when it comes to mortgage companies. They're getting creative to continue to lend money, first and foremost. I think the second part of that is that the consumer wants to be in a house, has the appropriate credit score, but is looking to lower their payment, right? We've talked about this many, many times, CJ as well, uh, has led this charge in regards that people don't necessarily care about the purchase price, they care about the monthly. And so this on the consumer side allows for a consumer to take a risk and that risk outside of their camera not working, that, <laughs> that risk is one that they're okay with taking. Why? Because they're betting that to Eric's point that they're going, the rates are going to continue to go down by the time it, that rate adjusts or that they're only going to be in the house for a three to five year time period anyway for that arm. So I think it's, you're seeing the popularity go up for those two reasons. Leon is always coming, coming with insight for us. Uh, we appreciate it. All right, CJ, what are your thoughts on arms? Man, what a trip down memory lane world. <laughs> I got goosebumps. It feels like 2008 again, 2006, 2007. Uh, adjustable rate mortgages um, are the average American's kryptonite, quite yep. literally. Um, are they a good tool? Yes, but the only people that generally tell you that adjustable rate mortgages are good tools are investors who are educated on investing in the home buying process, uh, and they can leverage an adjustable rate mortgage to get a lower down payment to create cash flow, create some runway, et cetera. If we're just being honest and frank, the majority of people who buy homes, are, they lack education on home buying. Uh, they don't buy as investments. They buy based on their monthly payment, uh, and they don't buy with equity. They buy with zero equity at all. Uh, and so I think this isn't a good thing, but uh, nobody's just going to acknowledge that banks are businesses first. They're not here to help you be able to buy a house. It's just a business. 
And so they're going to come out with loan products that allow them to continue to extend credit to people uh, because they know they can just take your house. Uh, and, and they will, uh, as they've done in the past. Yeah, I, I think if there was a movie, if they could just make a movie where they talk like something's really big, right? And they talk about shorting. If they could just make a movie about that and you just have everyone watch that movie, I think it'd be really helpful. Um, also, uh, I am going to become the nationwide short sale expert again. Uh, Incorrect. Because, because I think this is what's going to happen. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of business if you're good at short sales. I mean, I, I think what we're looking at though, is that you see that this feels familiar. There's so much that's different about the real estate yes. economy that we're in. Like uh, you, when you go back and you look at defaults and the amount of debt and the people that are behind and how much equity they have, literally everything about that is different than 2006, 2007, 2008. So this one indicator, I think that's like, we have this scar tissue, right? Mm. Like CJ's talking about, boy, this really feels eerily familiar, right? And we, we remember that we heard arms and then like 18 months later, the world ended. And there was like entire communities of houses that were left abandoned and builders went out of business. But I think what we're looking at is one tiny little piece and saying, oh, adjustable rate mortgages are back. The economy and real estate's gonna collapse the way that it did in 2008. That is not the case. So this Now, will there just... be other similarities? Maybe. So here's but the we, data we still points. have a massive inventory problem. We still have a massive inventory problem. But so we got banks failing. That's the first domino, right? Adjustable rates. Sure. The next thing after adjustable rates is going to be probably, remember those negative amortization loans? Like, yeah. I just don't see that. Go, like that's probably right down the pike. And then you got stated income, stated asset loans, right? That's CCL already loans, back. Right? That's when, that's a lot of the short sales we did were from stated income loans. And so I think that we're, and you look at how many people have bought houses in the last few years with less equity, right? With a depreciating market and they're buying FHA, VA. But where's the depreciating market? Hold on for a second. Where is there a depreciating market? Um, well, maybe I'm just speaking only in, in the Phoenix market, but there are large. Yeah, but you guys are back up. You had a dip and now you're back up again. And now it's the hottest market in the country. Incorrect. It's, now, yeah, if, I, if, you're, no. if you're under the impression right now, here's, here's why I think people are making mistakes. Are, are in a temporary hot market, 110%. In certain localities, in certain localities, we have to stop uh -huh. making these blanket statements of all markets. Some some markets are holding strong right now. Major metropolitan areas, particularly in the Sun Belt, are being highly affected right now. Home sales right now are at a 13-year low. Right this very second. I don't know if anybody's looking at data but me. All right, right now, home sales are at a 13-year low. If you're under the impression that adjustable rate mortgages are have no effect when it will become the easiest way for somebody to buy a home and people make buying decisions to buy things that they can't afford. Why are auto defaults up? Why is credit card debt up? Because of these exact same things. This is, this is literally what happened before. Does that mean it has the capacity to tank the entire market? Not necessarily. But if the marketing is effective enough, it potentially could. And that it doesn't mean that they're not good loan products. They're just good loan product products for people with the education on how to use it. So I'm not saying that this is big, this is gonna happen. Something bad's gonna happen. I'm just saying these are kind of things that I am not excited about. These are signs that are like bringing back a lot of PTSD. It's how you prop them. Continue to prop the market up so people can continue to buy houses. This question actually generated a lot better discussion than I originally anticipated. I like this. Um, that being said, 
I have my own personal thoughts about this, which I'm going to keep in my back pocket at the moment. But I will say Steve and CJ both brought very good points. Uh, I also understand the flip side with Leon and Brewer, but to that point, Sunbelt is struggling right now. Point two, CJ and Steve, uh, you guys are both getting a point today. And before we get into question number three, I'm going to go ahead and send it over to Steve for a word from our sponsor, Bateman Collective. Yeah, so if you guys have ever run PPC ads, you know what a headache it is and a nightmare <laughs> to keep up with the latest changes. I used to run my own PPC campaigns, and then I found Bateman Collective. I was relieved to find a PPC partner who actually understands the real estate industries and as well are experts in PPC and make it work. So do what I did. Get a free consult with Bateman Collective. See how they can make your PPC work and generate more leads for you. Visit BatemanCollective.com PTD and get your free consultation. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate that. We're going to get into question number three now. Just like NFL teams made cuts for the coming season, what would you cut from your business to achieve your team's goals? Start us off, Steve. So, you know, last year when we were talking to some uh, colleagues who were going through layoffs and this and that, they're like, well, we cut off the fat, right? Now, you know, we've cut off some meat. And at this point, we're cutting bone if we need to cut anymore. And that's exactly how I feel. We've gotten really, really lean. If there's any more to cut, it's going to really, really hurt, right? So if I absolutely had to cut something out, I mean, it'll probably be content, right? That will probably be the thing I would have to cut out so I can get back into doing more of the revenue-generating activities. I don't want to do it. Now, I can't say there's never been a thought where I was like, cancel PTD. I hate these guys. But for the most part, I do enjoy <laughs> all right, creating content. But if I had to cut something, I think at this point, it would have to be something that really hurts because we've cut everything else and that would probably be in, in content. You heard it here first, folks. Go to GoFundMe.com backslash pardon the disruption to keep us on the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. All right, thanks for the answer, Steve. All right, Leon, what are your thoughts? What are you cutting? <clears throat> for me, I'm good with my 53-man roster. I'm, I'm set. I don't need a practice squad. I don't need to pick a, anyone up off waivers. My NFL roster is set because, to Steve's point, you know, following April of last year, I always have run a very lean operation. Um, I don't have a big business like, like Eric does. I don't have a big uh, education business like CJ does. And, you know, I do a few more deals than Steve does a year. Um, but, you know, I've always <laughs> ran uh, – <laughs> when, I, when I say a few, I mean, that's like 20, 30, you know, two would be more, I think. Um, <laughs> so I don't uh, – at this point, I don't need to cut. And, uh, Steve, you know, to Steve's point, you know, when you start looking at roster cuts, there's a reason that the rosters at the NFL level are 53. You know, you cut beyond that and you don't have backups to your backups that you need in order to win. So, you know, don't cut the things that are most important to your business, which is the bone that Steve was talking about. And Steve, you should never cut content, man. That is who you are. That is what makes your business what it is. So I'm good on my roster. And Steve, you should be as well. Agreed. Uh, Steve, you can't cut content because at the end of the day, who the hell is going to roast you every Thursday besides yeah, thank this you panel? Guys. Like, thank you, you know, friends. We, Absolutely. Leon coming with a hard roast on that one. I love it. <laughs> All right, CJ, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I'm just cutting bottom performers. Uh, you know, Eric was just talking a minute ago about me. You know, I'm working while I'm on the show. 
because I'm communicating with my operations manager in Slack about somebody we're having to send a release agreement to right now, right? Because for me right now at this very moment, if you're not a top performer or you're not moving like you want to be a top performer, I don't want to be associated with you. I don't want to do business with you. Uh, in years past, uh, somebody could be mediocre talent. Somebody could be a journeyman talent and you could carry them through. You could work with them. They could be a, a solid backup. Uh, but that's not working for me anymore. That doesn't make sense for me in my business. Uh, so I'm literally cutting out anybody who's not a top performer and not rising to the occasion. Uh, because the top performers and the people who want to be top performers are who drives results and ultimately drives revenue into your business. Very nice. No Colt McCoys around here. We're, cut, we're cutting everybody. everybody. Everybody's getting cut. All right, Brewer, what about you? I think the first thing you, you got to try and help people with here is is how they should make cuts themselves, right? It's rather than me jumping to an area in my personal business that may have very little uh, impact or help for you is you need to make sure that you're making these decisions based on information, not fear. I see too often when things get tight and there's this, 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 um, you know, nervousness and anxiety that sets in, people start making all these random cuts and it's all fear-based. And, and really what they're doing is, is, is cutting their nose off to spite their face, right? They're going to, they're going to cut something maybe that potentially is going to make it even harder for them to dig themselves out of a hole or to be productive, um, you know, moving forward in a difficult environment. So really what you need to be able to do is make fact-based, data-based um, decisions. And to CJ's point, it should be things like luxuries. Like, hey, it's it's always a luxury to have an assistant. It's, it's a luxury to have someone that handles maybe some of this work that I don't love doing myself. So I would start with, to CJ's point, underperforming, right? But we should really all be doing that. That should happen all the time. And then luxuries, but make sure that it's rooted based on data, not fear and emotion where you just start haphazardly making cuts just to make yourself feel better that you've reduced your expenses. Yeah. And I think just, I mean, with what CJ is saying about underperformers, like we've gotten rid of them. Like we got super lean. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like cutting any more at this exact moment would be cutting bone. Right. Cause last year we cut the fat, right. We cut quite a bit of meat. There's nothing. It's so important. It's so important, though, that for what Eric just said there from a data driven decision, right? A very wise man by the name of Frank Cava uh, used to always talk about force ranking. What do NFL position coaches do this time of year every year? They force rank the talent based upon the facts, based upon what they see on the field, in games, in practice, and they make cuts based upon the facts. It's not just talent. It can be your return on investment for your uh, for your marketing. It can be your it can be your sales process. It, you should be force ranking everything within your organization and not just talking about talent, but make those decisions all based upon data. Unless you're Jerry Jones. Thing, one other thing I'll say too that I had to recognize about myself a couple of years ago is a lot of times we get we get stuck and we get focused on. Like I look at my income in three buckets. I have a now income bucket, a midterm income bucket, and a long-term income bucket. Most people get focused on midterm and long-term, right? Long-term is easy to acquire when you have a lot of now income, right? If I want to go pick up 100 units in a distressed market and I've got a lot of cash coming in within 30, 60, 90 days at all times, I can go pick up 100 units at ease, right? We see it happen all the time. 
a lot of people get stuck though in the mid the midterm income, right? This is income that takes six to 18 months to actually liquidify and get into your bank account. And what happens with a lot of people is they don't realize they don't have very much now income actually at all. They may have a lot of midterm income. They may have some long-term income even, right? But how many rental properties do you got to have to cash flow two to $400 uh, to really have a decent chunk of change to be working with on a monthly basis? You got to have a lot, right? That's one thing that's not often talked about as well, right? 30 units ain't going to cut it, right? 50 units ain't going to cut it. So for me, man, it's just identifying what revenue, even though I may be making money from it, is it somewhere that I can cut money to get more now income and money within 30, 60, 90 days? Or can you just pass in buckets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the buckets leaking. You got to pass, man. <laughs> no, that's a fact. <laughs> All right. That that was great. I do, you know, we kind of have an honorary like fifth, you know, panelist over here in the chat right now. RJ is uh cutting the lead manager role as a whole for the entire industry. So <laughs> shout out to RJ being active in the Don't chat. Be out of the job. He is a lead manager. <laughs> oh man. Easily the best uh, lead manager in the industry. RJ Bates the third. Oh, there absolutely. Hands down. Every, everybody will agree with that one. He even All has right. a lead manager name. Job <laughs> <laughs> you. All right. So on that round, um, what would you cut from the business to achieve your team goals? I'm going to go ahead and award this one to CJ just because cutting that fat out at the bottom, just like, hey, you're underperforming. You know, your Colt McCoys are gone. So... Thank you for answering the question over there. And, you know, we're not playing saw with cut and bone over here with Steve. So, all right, next up, question number four. Just like Burger King is getting sued because its Whoppers are too small. This is real, by the way. How would you react if a previous seller took you to court over the transaction of their home? <laughs> Start us off, CJ. I mean, I've never been taken to court by a seller for a transaction. Uh, but I would assume like Burger King, uh, it's business as usual. I mean, you've got attorneys for that. I'm, you know, what are you going to do? Make the burgers bigger, I suppose. Uh, I don't know the last time I've been to Burger King. I guess they got a problem with the size of the Whopper. This is like the Subway. Uh, foot long. You know, it's not really a foot long. Uh, it's 11 inches, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just deal with it as a business. If you've got a legal matter, you deal with it and you got to keep the ball rolling. And uh, make sure you're making enough now money to pay your legal bills, man, because uh, legal's never cheap. I I think the king's doing all right. Yeah, he's gonna. I, mean, I think they're stressing about the, uh, yeah. the patty being a little smaller. Yeah, he he's gonna have it his way. He he ain't worried about it. <laughs> all right, Brewer, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean it's a difficult question, right? Like in in the the context of Burger King, you you basically have misleading. Um, effectively, you know, marketing where customers showed up, they paid for something and it turns out they believe they're being lied to. Um, I think, you know, the real question is over time, um, there's going to be more sellers that file suit or come after you for not performing a transaction. We see tons and tons of wholesalers that go out and say, I can buy your house cash. And then they back out the day of settlement because they don't have a buyer. They don't have, they don't have cash. It's not as is. None of what they put on the sign, the postcard, their conversations actually turned out to be true. And then they'll lean on some weak contingency in the contract to get out of the deal. I think you're more exposed when you don't follow through with the transaction 
than an actual, which by the way, if you didn't buy it, they're not a seller. They're just a client at that point or a person. So I think your real exposure for the majority of the people that are thinking about wholesaling or actively in wholesaling is if you're not setting clear expectations with people up front about your ability to execute on the contract and your I talk to people all the time that have like a 40, 50, 60% release rate on contracts. Like that's embarrassing. You're going to set yourself up for exposure and you may, if you didn't tighten up your contract, you may have some liability there and end up in a pit. Brewer popping off there. I, I like it. I, I like it. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I'd probably just counter sue for wasting my time. Uh, it'd be, I mean, it's a frivolous lawsuit, right? Like <laughs> if we have an agreement, there's a contract, I'm buying your house for this price. And then I fulfilled my contract to you, right? There was a, there was a meeting of the minds. We put it in writing. We went through title. We did the transaction. You can't, what would you be suing me for, for buying my house and doing what I told you I was going to do? I don't really get I think it. you bought their house, Steve. You didn't buy your house. That would be weird if you bought your own house. <laughs> no, I was saying if I bought, like I'm talking in context here, if I bought, this is still my turn. Why the hell is he talking anyway? <laughs> <laughs> if I bought Eric's anyway, house and he sued me. Potter, why, hit the why buzzer you... every time Steve says meeting of the minds. He said it like 11 <laughs> times last week. He said it three times already this week. It's, you got to hit the buzzer every time he says meeting of the minds. It's his realtor training where we're ingrained in meeting of the minds. We are. All right. Steve, I definitely see your point on that. Like, all right, hey, I performed. Why are you suing me? All right, Leon, what are your thoughts? I feel like everything goes back to the 80s. It's like a Seinfeld episode. You can relate everything back to Seinfeld, and I think you can relate everything back to the 80s. Wasn't this a big campaign, Where's the Beef, back in the 80s? And these frivolous <laughs> type of lawsuits, I think, are continue, you're going to continue to see these type of things in our very litigious society. And I think there's something to learn from every ri ridiculous uh, lawsuit that you see especially in our business, I think it's par for the course that you should expect at some point you're going to have a frivolous lawsuit come your way. So this is a great opportunity to laugh for a second that someone literally said that the burger wasn't as big as it looked like on television. That's how that that was their reasoning for this lawsuit. Anything like that can happen to you with the largest purchase and or sale that most human beings will do in their lifetime. So can, you can expect that people are going to feel like they can do these type of things in the future. So therefore, tighten up and make sure that you have a really good relationship with a business attorney. And the money to pay them. Yeah. Well, attorneys, man, they I mean, win every single lawsuit. I can tell you they're not cheap. Hey, shout out to Potter for actually getting Steve's point. I think that should be celebrated. He said during his recap that I get Steve's point. Um, that makes one of you out of five. Hey, can we can we can we award that man a point? Is it possible to award him a point for getting it? Yeah. Um, job, so if dude. you look at I was thinking, you know, if anyone has the right to sue or follow this model, it'd probably be RJ for closes Olympics and suing everyone else for pretending to be closers. Yeah, thank you for getting that in, Steve. I was supposed to. He couldn't show up today. He didn't feel well. I hope you feel better. Steve got it in for you there, RJ. <laughs> was that a real thing he asked you to make sure you talked about it? <laughs> sure. 
Jesus Christ, man. Uh, I'm not feeling well. Can you, can you cover for me and make sure you get in the closer? He reminds me. You guys know Al Bundy? You remember Al Bundy from um, Freaking Married with Children? He talked about how he, like, scored a touchdown in the state championship 47 years ago. It was four touchdowns. Four yeah, touchdowns. RJ will be sitting on his lead management couch 25 years from now in his hand up. That's right. No, what, yeah. is, what, a, what a story to tell your grandkids. But uh, real quick, um, I do want to say one thing about this question, though, because I work with a lot of new investors, a lot of people new to the business. And one thing I try to emphasize to all my students is how important an attorney relationship is, like Leon said. Uh, so many people who invest and run small businesses have no attorney relationship. I hear people like for me, I always close with an attorney if I'm closing in the state of VA, for example. Just because of building and, and, and nurturing that attorney relationship, everybody's so like title company gung ho, saving 30, 40, 100 bucks a transaction, yada, yada, yada. And they've never talked to an attorney before. Then a frivolous lawsuit or accusation comes up and they have no concept on how to handle it, no relationship with anybody they can discuss it with. So if you're going to be in business, having a, a, a business attorney uh, in your Rolodex that you've got a nurtured relationship with is critically important. So like we had the Chris's point. I did this example happened 45 minutes ago. Last day of the month, we had a cash transaction. People were scheduled to close at 4:30 this afternoon. They did a walkthrough with the buyer, buyer agent, texted our list agent, said they were backing out because of the walkthrough contingency in the contract. I'm like, first of all, I'm like, where's the walkthrough contingency in a contract? So we send it over our attorney. First things first, I'm like, dude, there's no way they can't be backing out of this deal. And the, the language in there, right? If you're not an attorney, the way the language was written, it said there's two walkthroughs reserved, but then the real important language that our attorney expanded on now, by the way, that people are closing, and it's a difference of $35,000 for us. Um, we would have resold it, but the house would have went back on the market. It says that the only purpose of that walkthrough is to verify the properties in the condition that matches the rest of the contract. It's yeah, not this. You contract it. It's not, right. So like, the, but the settlement company's like, yeah, uh, I'm going to give them their deposit back. They're using the walkthrough contingency. Our attorney hopped in, squashed it. Now they're closing, but they were walking without that relationship with an attorney that I paid with now money, by the way, CJ, shout out now money. No doubt. We're going to go ahead and close and the deal's getting done. Yeah. Shout out to the bank account. EB's bank account is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, hey that that was great. Um, RJ, yeah, of course, real good. He, yeah, RJ RJ's in the chat talking about Brewers Whopper being too small, and it's like, <laughs> like I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, gonna go gonna go ahead and uh, start, start that one off with uh, point for Leon bringing in the relationship with a attorney um, and nurturing that you know starting that everybody else got on the same train, but. Do appreciate Leon pointing that out first. Point to Leon G. Barnes. Next up, we have word from our other sponsor, which is the Family Tree of Real Broker. If you are looking to make a change in your real estate business, check out therealfamilytree.com and schedule your collaboration call with us. We will help you grow your real estate business. Next up, we have question number five. Does it make sense to add developing to your business model given the low inventory of homes? Start us off, Leon. So I actually brought this question after reading an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago 
um, to CJ's point earlier, existing inventory sales are down, but new construction sales are up. And so I brought this question up because there are some people across the United States that are real estate investors that are struggling to find inventory. And if they don't have a construction background, I brought this up within the CG community as well. Is this something that you're looking to add? For me, this makes sense because I do have a construction background. I do have lots that are empty that I could develop and I have that experience. But that's the key word here is if you don't have that experience, then it may not make sense for you and it may be a distraction for you. There are alternative ways to go about doing that. But for me, yes, absolutely. This is something that I'm looking into to add because inventory is down 30% on the average across the United States. Always with percentages and numbers. We appreciate it, Leon. All right, CJ, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I like Leon because I, I stay pretty informed as well. All right. Um, but, you know, I, I think it must be said, I, I've built a lot of houses, right? There's different types of builders. Production building, which drives the stat that Leon referenced, by the way, new home sales is driven by production builders, not infill builders like myself. All right. Uh, if you're an infill builder or you're aspiring to be an infill builder, non-production, um, you should probably slow your horses a little bit uh, at the moment, unless you have a lot of construction experience like Leon referenced. What I see right now is investors look at infill development strictly as an investment opportunity. And just because they fixed and flipped a, a large rehab before they think they can go build a house and da 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 da. There's so many caveats like zoning, soil analysis issues, survey issues, uh, community issues that you have to deal with. Um, so I don't think it's a good time to add it if you're doing infill. If you're production, you're already doing it. Uh, and production builders right now are absolutely killing it. Uh, and they're going to continue to ramp it up. Very good insights there, CJ. Uh, infill versus production are definitely two different beasts right there. All right, Brewer, what are your thoughts? So first, I would just say no. For the majority of people that are watching this, you absolutely should not make this transition. Um, so the explanation behind the no is this. For most of us that are in wholesale, fix and flipping, we are generally in a marketing and sales business. Now let's move over to building. It's operations, project management, planning. It requires a ton of patience. Um, there's actually a huge PR aspect because when you buy a 140 acre parcel of land that somebody's grandparents were buried behind and they've been driving that, there's this massive PR obligation where people are generally going to talk an awful lot of shit about you, try and uh, get in the way of the project. They're going to say that you're, you're, you're ruining the landscape of the country that they're their family grew up in. It's 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 a whole different, just because you're a wholesaler doesn't mean you're in real estate. An appraiser can't do a wholesaler's job. A wholesaler can't do a builder's job. A builder can't do a wholesaler's job. For most of you watching this, absolutely not. Do not get into development. It is completely different. But what do developers and builders need? They need new lots. They need new opportunities. Turn your marketing and sales machine on to the lots and the opportunities that the builders, production builders, infill lot builders need. And that's how you get into development, the supply of inventory. You heard it first from the future you mayor of York, the Pennsylvania. Now, Potter. There's no way Leon's getting it. <laughs> DJ second. 
Steve still yet to go. We don't even about that. This way the point. How are, <laughs> how are you just going to absolutely eliminate Steve from the conversation? I'm Hold on. I'm cutting this. We call I'm cutting this. I'm cutting this show. Yeah, show's out. You are not cutting this show, Steve. The show's out. This is better than happy hour. All right. Next up, Steve, what are your thoughts? Well, I was going to agree with Eric, but now to hell with him. Um, I was going to say that this is a very different landscape right there's so many skills you've got to learn so on top of everything that uh eric leon and and uh cj have already touched on it's also the money component right how much capital are you gonna have to raise how much cash flow management are you gonna have to deal with you're gonna have to go get was it blanket loans umbrella loans you had to work with draws and then if you're not managing contractors today like if you hate managing salespeople, let's add also contractors under that right? Two totally different beasts. So if you don't love managing salespeople today, and then you're looking forward to managing contractors and subs, man, it's, it's a, such a different beast. If you're a wholesaler, definitely, I would not recommend it unless you are absolutely hate what you're doing right now and are looking for a change of scenery. Do not add this to your, to, to right, that was this much. That would hate your money. You must, you must hate what you're doing now. Hate the money that you have. Hate your family. <laughs> hate your friends. Yeah. Hate the if you hate all that stuff, They'll you should out. absolutely become a developer. Yeah. <laughs> is, 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 is there another industry like real estate where people try to hopscotch to different <laughs> things so much? It's like, oh, I'm a wholesaler today. Tomorrow now I'm, I focus on creative. The next day now, maybe contractors, a real estate agent, maybe contractors, a jack of all trades yeah. are all over the place. That's true. Yeah, or doctors. Yep. So, or you go, you know, crypto but, back here, right? The metaverse. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to all the Steve's NFTs, man. Shout out to Steve's NFTs. So, Tax Eric, deductions. Eric, Eric said it best. I mean, this is his point for sure. It, no, he did. The answer is the answer is no. That said, <laughs> there's two ways that I've seen people be successful with driving towards development. Number one is the point that Eric made in regards to reverse engineering, finding the people that are building within a metro, a specific zip code or your particular area and finding those lots, those houses um, for to sell to them, wholesale to those developers, right? That's one. The second is I have seen people have a ton of success that are wholesalers partnering with AGC, bringing their skill sets of, uh, of finding lots through marketing. Maybe they have the ability to raise capital. That way they're not taking on all of the liability of the contractor and all of the people that come with that team is actually JVing with a, a trusted vetted GC. <laughs> What is RJ sick with, man? Bro, <laughs> I don't know. He's Whatever he's to... sick with is clearly bringing his game. You know, he's leveling up over here. He's talking about Steve should develop a personality for his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so here's 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 what I'll say with RJ, right? Because we were talking about this earlier. Like RJ gets lippy, right? The reason why RJ feels so brave, because right? I was at I was at a, I was at a hockey rink. I was kind of looking at these guys. The reason why he feels so brave is because he's only fought in hockey gear. He doesn't know what it's like to get punched in the face. <laughs> That's why he brings hockey gear to the show and to the office every day because if he runs his mouth, because he always has a hockey jersey on and it looks like a hockey mask, even though it's his face. Somebody said he was so wow. sick to do the show because he had mono. <laughs>
Oh, man, and RJ's in there dropping whales, orcas, if you will, uh, in there. All right, um, you know, even... You know, even even though EB wanted to, uh, you know, talk, talk a fair amount of crap earlier today, uh, he is, you know, he gave the most thorough answer on this. Um, the answer is no, and then gave, you know, very good reasons why don't get shiny object syndrome within the industry. All right. Next up, this is going to be the defining question here. What is one piece of money advice you have for young adults under the age of 30 who want to manage their money more responsibly? Start us off, Burr. I hate this question, right? Like, I see this all the time where people are like, don't buy the $50,000 car. Really, Potter? Don't buy the $50,000 car. I mean, everybody's got to walk their own walk. Like, you can give this super boring money advice about live out of a box, drive a, 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 a unicycle to work every day, and live like you're miserable for 20 years so that you can hopefully one day retire at the age of 48 as opposed to to 65 like i hate that right like and i did it i was irresponsible with my money when i was young but i gotta tell you what i lived an extraordinary life and if i would have died at the age of 35 i'm not saying i would have been happy but i would have i would have had experiences i went places i drove the fancy car i i, I bought the house i did the stuff it's just like anything else. It's got to be done with some some control and some compromise where you can't spend a million dollars a year and make a million dollars a year. But I say you should plan, but don't restrict 100% your ability to enjoy life for 25 years just so that you can have a little bit of extra money. Just, just, just make responsible decisions. Make some long-term money. Buy 10 rentals when you're 25 years old. Don't touch them by the time you're 50. You'll be worth two million bucks. It's like a partial YOLO answer right there from Bro. Kinda. Hey, you know, it, it is. I mean, it's not wrong. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts? I would do what Potter did. Just marry a rich woman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Nicole, my sugar mama. Yeah, that's it. Just find a woman that's doing yeah. well and just marry her. Yeah. And you can just kind of hang out in the office, do whatever you want. Yeah, shout out to Nicole, man. <laughs> that's it. Oh, bro, that's that's amazing. I don't, Steve's trying to get the the elusive five pointer right there. All right, all right then, Leon. What are your thoughts? Eric's so right. This is not something you can blanket because everyone has goals and things that are different to them that they enjoy. I, I, I you know, this is something that you have to look at what's important to you and then set your your plan to that right everything else you know have fun enjoy but if there were one thing i would say because this is a real estate audience if i have noticed a trend with people that have graduated to the collective genius level where they are full-time investors and they have usually a portfolio and a team if I've seen someone start somewhere, it's when they're in their 20s, when they're below 30, and they're looking at growing a business, they're doing things that are like house hacking, right? They're, they're living in a home you know, because they don't, maybe they're not married, they don't have kids, they don't have a lot of those responsibilities, and they're utilizing their business and what they do to continue to leverage that 
and grow their business. I think that those are the type of things, if I'm in real estate, how do I manage and I'm below 30? How do I manage my expenses? How do I do more and continue to grow my business? Things like house hacking are what I would be looking into. Leon with the most well thought out answer and per usual. All right, CJ, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I probably could talk forever about this. Uh, I made a lot of money when I was younger, in my early 20s. Uh, blew a lot of it. Uh, don't regret it. Uh, I think Eric hit on some really great points. Uh, I believe in balling out, enjoying life, man, living life to the fullest, enjoying yourself. Uh, if I could reflect back uh, to my early 20s when I started making a lot of money, uh, there's a couple of things that I really would have wanted to know. Uh, the, the, what I talked about income buckets earlier, I wish somebody had had that conversation just Understanding now income, midterm income, long-term income. I, too, had the obsession with generational wealth and all this and all that. You need now income. I don't care what anybody's got to say. Up market, down market. You need to have now income coming in at all times. The other piece of it would be, man, there's not enough talk about retirement. right? There's not enough talk about uh, how easily you can make money in different ways. For me in my life, right? Like it all just comes off of that now income if I want to put money in a money market account, if I want to open up a whole life insurance policy, if I want to max out my IRA contributions on both my IRAs every year, you, you need money to be able to do that. Uh, but take care of those things. Go get a financial advisor. If you're new in business, get a bookkeeper early, right? Like bookkeepers aren't expensive. They're going to charge you based on the amount of transactions you're doing on a monthly basis. If you're new to business, you're not going to be doing a ton. Like go take care of these things. Once you go take care of that stuff, man, ball out, live life, travel the world, see beautiful places, drive nice cars. Uh, the dick at the Rhea who's telling you, oh, I got a 1988 minivan outside. You're irresponsible. Why you got a Range Rover, Chris, and two other cars? And Man, because, really I personal. Can, because I can. It sounds very. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to that guy. Shout out, to my <laughs> Shout out to Brewers Bank account. Take care of your stuff. Ball out. Live life. Have a good time. That's it. I love and where so, you guys went with this, though. I'll go ahead, Leon. I was just going to ask him if Kirk Cousins was in his rear because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, look, come on, man. Shout out to the Commanders, man. You know, we all got no respect for Kirk over here no more, man. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that because Kirk made $40 million a year and was still driving his Plymouth Voyager from 1986. Yeah, I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw Kirk on the Netflix uh, quarterback show. They had Kirk Cousins on there. Just yeah. so cringe, man. I'm like, dude, it, you, you, you bully the organization for franchise tags. And, and, and now you're on here on TV telling us how you don't want to spend any money. Like, you know, look, I think you should spend money. I think we all should take care of your people, your family. Uh, go do some stuff, man. Yeah, like, I love. Stuff. But like I said, I love where you guys are going with this. Like it drives me crazy every time you got these guys saying don't spend money on a car. Right. Like you don't hear people judging on the size of your house. They don't judge you for traveling vacation. They don't judge you. Right. For having nice shoes, whatever. But, man, you have a nice car. Hey, you're you are being irresponsible, right? Like, yeah. let me pick my poison, right? I'm working hard for my reasons. You're not a car guy. I get it. But let me yeah. enjoy my car in peace. Like, stop passing judgment on people that like cars. That's to Eric's point. That's why you can't. It's very hard to answer this question for everyone because I am not car guy. I am experienced guy. Like, I don't judge anybody for having cars. Like, in fact, 
I love living vicariously through EB. That man, that dude buys a new car every six months. I love seeing his ball is it, arrive. Is it that long? <laughs> well, maybe. Less, I think it's like every but... two months on Facebook. Yeah. That's that Brewer <laughs> bank account that, right there. That, that brings him joy, right? I know that brings him joy where experiences and traveling and those types of things are, are, are more important to me than, than a nice, super nice car. That said, Some people... I think there was – there, there was some seriousness in there too, go right. So what Chris said, don't let, let's not gloss over that. I think if there was some best advice coming here over uh, from this discussion, that can, we can bottom line is saying that if you're growing a business, it is super important that you have your finances in order, right? Doesn't mean that you can't spend money, but make sure that you have whether it's a a, a fractional CFO or your CPA understands real estate and understands business. I think if we were going to blanket any answer, it would be making sure that you had your books in order. Or just like right. Trang said on the last question, what was your advice, Steve? If you hate everything in life, go, go develop. No, marry a rich woman like Potter did. Then you yeah. can, you no, can that's buy whatever you want. Question, it doesn't bro. That's this question. So, yeah. Hey, so just, you know, like, <laughs> I had a lot of friends, right, back when I was a lot younger, where they were trying to help these women go put their, you know, go through college, you know, right by campus, you know, where they kind of dance a little exotically, right? I had a lot of friends. Like ah, put I those see. Women I see. College, I, right? I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah, right? yeah. So Eric likes to put all these car dealers' kids through college. Like he's got a huge heart. <laughs> I, I admire Eric. <laughs> well, uh, my last question is uh, for Potter. Uh, is this something, you know, going back to real estate, you know, we are a data driven, you know, marketing companies. Um, is this something, is this a filter that you can skip trace? How to find very rich, wealthy women? Is that something that we can find and we can skip trace? It's <laughs> a fair question. I mean, yeah, that actually is a very fair question. And I'm starting a new no, company. The, the the answer is definitely no. So fun fact on that, I was business partners with Nicole for seven years before we ended up together. So we actually built the business before we built the relationship. Long that's, game. Gotcha. Yep. Long that's, long dude, game. Hey, that's long term one. That's the long term bucket. Good yeah, yeah, he's not at the driving range, man. He's playing 18 goals, man. I like it. <laughs> Chess, not checkers, bro. <laughs> Come on now. I'm I'm over here. I'm over here playing Augusta for life, dude. Um, so we we have a couple ptd firsts here uh first time ever steve trang has actually gotten the most amount of votes in the online chat uh that we got going on over here um for that amazing answer so point to steve that being said i love rj's 24 year old rich cj must have been amazing to hang out i'm not gonna lie time travel Time travel ever occurs, that's the moment I'm going back to right oh, there. I'm I'm gonna just show up in Richmond VA and just be like, yo, okay, what is it? That would be what, 2010? Let's go. Bro, 2010, 2010 to 2013 was a Jesus Christ, man. You have no idea. That's it. That's it right there. So for this show, we got a three-way tie at the top here. Uh, we're going to give a little home field advantage again because you gave a shout out to the wife over here. All right, Steve, you're going to win today. We are happy for Mr. Disruptor. More than anything, I'm just trying to not make sure we don't get canceled, guys, so that we can hang out again next week, you know, so Steve doesn't pull the plug on us. Go find me. Go find me slash PTD. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
All right. We had a blast today. We hope that you guys did as well. This was a really fun show. It's always fun hanging out with everybody here on PTD. Um, make sure that you do like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Pardon the Disruption. And we're going to go ahead and let everybody say goodbye. We'll start with our winner for today. Steve, say bye to the people. Yeah, it was a great show. You know, it was probably our best show ever. We didn't have anybody to gunk it up. So just appreciate the panel here. Uh, it was just <laughs> great hanging out with friends. Shout out to RJ in the chat, clearly. All right, Leon, <laughs> say bye to the people. <laughs> Fun show indeed. And RJ, I promise that I, anytime you need me, I am not just coming on here because it makes the show better. I actually was doing a friend of solid. <laughs> awesome we we always love when leon is on is on the show cj say bye to the people yeah no i i just want to say man this is really kind of a beautiful moment i don't get to do this often you know where somebody else wins when i'm on the show uh, so i want to I wanna highlight i want to highlight steve train in this and it i just it's so heartfelt how i feel right now I, i'm getting a little emotional um because to see somebody's Rudy moment, just right, right in front of your eyes, is, uh, is special. It's special. So congrats to Steve on his win today. Uh, Rudy got in the game, and he, he got to make a tackle, too, man. So shout out to you for that. And uh, it's good seeing you guys. Leon, you as well. And uh, peace. Good old Rudy Trang. We love him. We do. Brewer, say bye to the people. <laughs> I should have known the fix is in when Potter said, I actually got Trang's point. Like, <laughs> from that moment on, the rest of us just pushed our, pushed our chips in. Um, but uh, no, shout out to RJ. Somehow he's too sick to be on the show, but he was on the show. Uh, all up in the comments. Um, probably like he was in CJ's DMs between 2010 and 2013. <laughs> uh, if we're being honest, but anybody looking for a lead manager nationwide, hit up RJ. Um, dude, uh, schedules an appointment with the best of them. Um, he could schedule appointments for me anytime. But uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the, the show. It was awesome having four people with diplomas on here to share this this hour with me. And uh, if someone could actually uh, transcribe this into broken uh, Texas English and email that over to RJ so that he can uh, feel like he was part of the group today, I think he would really appreciate that. Don't don't worry, Brewer. We got a <clears throat> we got a Tinglish uh, uh, translator around here. No yeah. no worries. Use no that worries. artificial uh, lack of intelligence tool and then plug it in there. And it'll translate <laughs> it into RJ terms. <laughs> The lesser known ALI. <laughs> yes, yes. It's still in beta. Can't wait. It's, uh, Can't wait for the yeah. live show in person. <laughs> oh yeah, this this is outstanding. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. We will see you next week.